Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. And I want to begin by just saying thank you to so many of you who've uh, written me emails uh, or, or just came up to me and approached me about the podcast over the last few months. It's very been very encouraging and, and wonderful, wonderful. So thank you. Uh, today, our topic is why leadership matters. Why leadership matters. And actually, my subtitle will be to a discipleship or to a ministry that deeply changes lives. Jesus said, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. He said this actually in Mark 7, 15 as well. In other words, Jesus says our outside world flows from our inside world. You know, what's so interesting is that for years, I didn't even know I had an interior world. I mean, I, I couldn't express it that way. And, uh, you know, if you think about, you know, what keeps folks from progressing in the inner life or the spiritual life, and as has been said so well, that because we give more attention to the outer world, that is our production, our significance, what we're doing at the expense of our inner world. In other words, we've got an overdeveloped external world of leadership skills, et cetera, and an atrophied or very limited inner world. And when that's the case, as it was for me for the first 17 years of my leadership, uh, it's really like the Titanic. I mean, we're rearranging chairs on the top of the Titanic, but... Uh, because our inner life is not in order, it severely limits what's coming out of us in terms of fruitfulness. And uh, that unawareness of what's happening inside of us or deep awareness of it means we're not in reality. And when we're not in reality, we're not in spirituality. And when we're not in spirituality, our ministries are going to be very limited. And that's why you know, the wonderful saying is what you do matters, but who you are matters even more or much more. Uh, five years ago or six years ago now, I, I stepped down from being a lead pastor at New Life Fellowship, where I had founded and led that church for 26 years. And I done, of course, a lot of thinking over the decades about leadership. And I, and I saw two extremes. One was uh, uh, pastors and leaders and missionaries, et cetera. We, we take the best thinking of the secular world, uh, the corporate world, and we basically paste that into our leadership. Uh, the other is that we ignore uh, quote, leadership skills, et cetera, vision casting. And, and I saw folks who just, who left all that and became spiritual directors or therapists or ran retreat centers. And I just said, there, there's, there, there's a middle ground and I, that, I was, I, that I've been exploring, especially for the eight years prior to me stepping down, actually eight, nine years. And so I began to just write lessons down of what I was learning uh, as I really delved into it deeply. Of I didn't want to go the, the, the route of just, we're not a corporation, we're a church, uh, the living body of Christ. Same time, I, I, I believe God called me to a leader, to be a leader, and we need leaders in the church, and God has called us to cooperate with him uh, in the building of the church of Jesus Christ around the world. So I, I was looking for that middle ground of incorporating the depth of spirituality in the process of building. And so I spent eight years uh, really digging into the executive running of uh, our church and just writing down my lessons in a journal. And when I stepped down from New Life Fellowship in 2013, 14, 15, I wanted to put that down in, in writing. And so I just basically took my journals and all my lessons uh, that I'd learned from leadership and began to, to write it, uh, write this book called, that we call today The Emotionally Healthy Leader. And I actually wrote uh, over a 200-page book. And what, what I had done was I, I knew a fellow, a you know, friend of mine, and he, had, he taught seminars at Harvard and Stanford to CEOs in the, in the MBA program. And we've been friends for years, and he had come to me years ago saying that you've got a piece of leadership that's nowhere else in the world. And so he was kind of like listening in on us at New Life Fellowship for many years. And 
So he was basically, I'd say, you know, discipling me. He was a, he was a believer. And, and all the secular material that was out there uh, on leadership, which I read, you know, a whole lot of books. And so I wrote a draft of The Emotionally Healthy Leader. Uh, this over 200-page book. Actually, it was 225 pages. And I, you know, I sent it in to this uh, editor. And she came back to me and said, throw it out. Start all over. And she says, you're not, you're not claiming to be a leadership expert. And... Uh, and you're interacting with all these people like you are. And she goes, just forget it. She goes, if, if, it's said, if it's said anywhere else in a book, it shouldn't be in yours. She goes, write like you're a mentor. You're sitting across from somebody at a table, a pastor, a leader, and just talk to them. And uh, so that 225-page document went in the garbage, and I started all over again. Uh, yes, it was devastating. Uh, but it was wonderful because I knew she was right. And uh, so I sat down and, and began to make a chart. And the chart was very simple. I had my I had my headings, uh, inner life, outer life, and basically what I began to do was write on, on the left side of the page was the standard way of doing leadership in this area, and I'll explain the areas in just a moment. Versus the emotionally healthy way, and I had uh, I had these two columns for each of the uh, chapters, basically that would be the chapters, and I spent six to eight months on these charts, just. I mean, talking about one or two page document per chapter of standard way versus emotionally healthy way. And then I put it in outline form, then I began to write it. But that six to eight months was painstaking. And I thought, oh my gosh. And uh, so out of that came the Emotionally Healthy Leader book, uh, which was released in late 2015. But what we actually have done is we put those charts, they're not in the book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, although it's the basis of the book, but uh, we've put it now into an ebook that we just released called Why Leadership Matters. And uh, I want to encourage you to pick it up. Uh, these charts are gold. Uh, I didn't know what to do with them all this time. And we find that this is so valuable uh, that we put it in this ebook. And you can get it on our website and, and go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash leadership matters. Uh, emotionallyhealthy.org slash leadership matters. And there's a leadership assessment in it about how healthy is your leadership, you know, on the whole continuum from, you know, high to low. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great, uh, great ebook worth, worth getting. But here's the basic outline, which I came up with. And you know, I understand this is now, you know, I, I've been in leadership 26 years as lead pastor at New Life Fellowship. I've been a, you know, a staff worker within Divorcy for uh, three years as well. And the outline of the book is very simple. Uh, everybody wanted actually the, the last four chapters, which were the outer life issues of leadership. Things like, here's a chapter, planning and decision-making, culture and team building, power and wise boundaries, endings and new beginnings. Everybody wanted like some practical tips and suggestions on how can I do planning? How do we do strategy? How do we build healthy teams? Uh, how do we deal with issues of power and boundaries and endings and beginnings, transitions and all that? It's all important. But more and more as I got into this, uh, Actually, in 2006, 2007, I was journaling and I realized, no, the actual skills of how you do it uh, are, are, yeah, they're important and ideas are good, but it's really who you are as a leader that matters. And, uh, you know, who you are is more important than what you do. And, and you cannot give what we do not possess. We can only give what we do possess. And, and so the four core, core, core inner life issues that I determine that inform everything and this is, this is actually the first four chapters. Face your shadow, lead out of your marriage or singleness, slow down for loving union, and practice Sabbath delight. And, and I didn't do this out of a study that I did around the world of leaders. Uh, it basically were the four issues I realized that determine uh, everything about the way we lead 
in planning, decision-making, culture, team building, you know, strategy, vision, everything's informed by that. So the first half of the book, I just basically spent on, on talking about the inner life. And the second half was about then how it works out in the outer life. And I actually compared it to a skyscraper that, uh, to me, it's the controlling image of the Emotionally Healthy Leader book, which is very simply this, that that a skyscraper is built on pilings that must go deep, deep into the into the granite or hard rock of, of Manhattan. Uh, in New York City here. And so the, the higher the building goes up, the deeper the pilings or steel beams must go down. And that when they're not put in properly, the steel beams that may go down 20 stories uh, in certain cases, if they're not put down properly, the building will lean, there'll be cracks in the walls, the windows won't open. And sometimes they've had to lift skyscrapers and redo the pilings or steel beams. Other times they've had to just tear the thing down and start all over again with the skyscraper. In the same way, these four inner issues or inner life issues are so critical that, again, this is my observation, uh, that I said there's four issues that if these are not dealt with well uh, or deeply in our lives, uh, we can't go high. Uh, or we can go high, but the building will lean. And it may not come out for 5, 10, 15, 20, sometimes 30, 40 years, but it will eventually come out. And uh, so, and I saw it, first of all, of course, in my own life. And uh, and then I saw it, of course, in everyone around me as well. So, because uh, we can preach inspiring messages about the importance of spiritual transformation, transformation, and we may preach rich things out of scripture and craft great blogs and tweets and all that. But if we've not been transformed by these things personally, uh, this transformation in people we serve is going to be very stunted. And so, uh, let me just take them one by one here and try to give you an overview of them. And I want to spend some time on the four inner life issues, shadow, marriage or singleness, slow down for loving union and Sabbath delight. And then I want to just take a little bit of the external outer life issues and how it impacts it too. So you can see the connections are so important. And so let's take, for example, face your shadow, which is I, I put as the, the first inner life issue uh, that needs to be deeply grounded in us that we face our shadow. Now, uh, again, define, you know, shadow is your accumulation of untamed, less than pure motives and thoughts that, that the, while largely unconscious, they strongly influence and shape our behaviors. Uh, they're mostly hidden from our view, but they're damaged, they're damaged versions of who we are. It's a slant on sin. Uh, it's much more nuanced. So, for example, in standard practice, uh, leaders spend very little time reflecting on how their interior world impacts their leadership. But in emotionally healthy practice, leaders consistently devote time to reflecting on how their interior worlds impact on their leadership and their team and those around them. Uh, in standard practice, in relationships, leaders avoid or argue, blame, blame or scapegoat or refuse to work with people who trigger them emotionally. Uh, but emotionally healthy practice, leaders actually ask themselves, what from my past might be causing me to react so strongly to this person? In standard practice, leaders are guarded and protective about their imperfections and flaws, focusing on the, you know, the strong, the positive, the gifts of their, you know, their lives. But in emotionally healthy practice, leaders actually integrate their weaknesses, integrate their brokenness into their leadership and teaching to really create a sense of safety for other people and releases the power of God. And, and so let me give an example of how this thing you know, works out in practice. So you may be gifted or I may be gifted in speaking or mobilizing people. That's good. But here's a shadow side of that is, is 
I have an insatiable need for affirmation or I've got this unconscious hunger for approval. So I end up doing things that may not be God's will for me at all. I make plans and decisions. I drive the team in ways that really are coming out of my shadow of the need to impress people. But I'm gifted at these things as well. So it's confusing. Or a shadow is you value excellence uh, and that's really good. But the shadow side emerges when that pursuit of excellence crosses into perfectionism. And all of a sudden, you're a perfectionist with yourself and then with other people around you. And so uh, if you're like me, you preach you preach the grace of the gospel, but you're living law, even with yourself. One of the ways shadow emerges is you're zealous for the truth of scripture and God and right doctrine. That's really good. The shadow emerges when your, your zeal is preventing you from loving those who disagree with you. And and, and that's kind of driven from our insecurities and fears about feeling competent and, you know, or, or, or we love to, or you may love to serve. And that's a really good thing. The shadow is when, when you hide yourself in events to avoid actually getting close to people or talking to people. I have one friend that would, a wonderful leader, but high introvert and be uncomfortable in social situations. He would go to the kitchen to serve. And it was a way of protecting himself from getting close to people. But it was actually a shadow. Uh, and so... And again, I my, my shadow, again, coming out of my own family and unawareness was I would sometimes, I'd have to work so hard to actually merit uh, delight or a day off or I had to kill myself. So if I work really, really hard, God will love me more. I don't know where I got that in my head while I'm preaching the grace of God. And that's why to get at our shadows, we talk a lot about genogramming our families, which is a, you know, a, a lifetime work. And getting aware of how our past impacts our present because that's one really big way that sin gets at us. And so for myself as a leader, as our church was growing over the years, I just avoided conflict uh, at all costs. And, uh, you know, I, I just wasn't honest with people. I lied. I, my leadership was so confusing. I would exaggerate. I would, I would take vision and be, you know, spinning things and again, needing validation from folks. I didn't get it at home growing up. And, uh, so I, I just wasn't, I wasn't confronting people that needed to be confronted. There were elephants floating all over the room. And, you know, I ended up living somebody else's life as a leader because I was insecure about even being myself. Would actually people like that? And, and it was a mess. And I had abuse in my background, which some of you may be familiar with. And I, again, I didn't have healthy boundaries, didn't have a good theology of delight. In fact, actually, my shadow was affected my theology, but I was so unaware of it because I was so busy building the church, planting churches. And so, again, the, the awareness of the impact in your leadership may look like things of, uh, in your planning and decision-making, as it did for me, a very narrow, defini- definition, narrow definition of success, numbers, attendance, money buildings, uh, which is very narrow and not biblical, uh, but again, looking for validation, for people to say, you know, great job, or, or anxiety in the culture, a, dr- a drivenness that is coming from somewhere in the air, because culture is that you know, that, that, that intangible way that the, the place works. Think of IBM or Google or Apple. Organizations have cultures. Churches have cultures. And the question is, how much of your shadow is in your team and your culture and impacting you? I know for power and wise boundaries, I felt powerless. And I was the founding pastor for years. I had all this power as the lead pastor and the founder, but I couldn't even see the impact my words were having. And I'll never forget, you know, many years ago reading a uh, research by a Harvard professor about the most dangerous people in the world are those who are unaware of their power. And she did this gigantic study on Holocaust survivors and how they were unaware of their power with their own children because all their power was stripped from them. 
And those who had not done the interior work did great damage to their kids because you have tremendous power over kids when you're raising them. And leadership is our capacity to influence. And, and we just, this multi-generational transmission of, uh, of pathology and trauma was very fascinating. But even people, even the ability to do uh, endings and new beginnings, the transition roles, some people have very difficult time with change. Uh, and so can't change roles, which is just necessary over the journey of a life of leadership. Uh, it's needed. And, and, and of course, at some point, succession. And, uh, and so endings are such an important part of leadership. And, and imagine just being able to, being so secure in yourself in the love of God and the gospel that you can say to people, how do you experience me? Folks close to you that would actually be honest with you. Uh, that's why 360s are, are fabulous, and, and uh, I wish they were just part of every church culture for leaders uh, on a consistent basis to get people above you, below you, on the side of you. Just their feedback on how they're experiencing your leadership it takes great courage to do something. But facing your shadow uh, is number one in terms of impact uh, on, on what, how we're building high and wide out of us. That's piling number one. Piling number two is lead out of your marriage or singleness. And uh, boy, there's so much I can say about that. I'm just giving you a couple of contrasts. Okay, I'm looking at the chart here in front of me. I'm just going to pick you know two or three things. So in standard practice, here's our leader's approach for those who are married. The highest priority is build an effective and successful ministry that reveals Jesus' love to the world. That's the first ambition. But in emotionally healthy practice, leaders place the highest priority on cultivating a marriage that is a sign and wonder revealing Jesus' love to the world. That's their first ambition. In, in, in standard practice, leaders don't even think much about the, the connection between my oneness with Jesus and my oneness with my spouse. While in emotionally healthy practice, leaders experience a direct connection between oneness with Jesus and oneness with their spouse. In standard practice, leaders invest little time or energy in equipping themselves to have a great marriage because they're so busy building a church or to integrate their marriage in their role as a leader, whatever that might look like with your spouse who, who's different than you. But in emotionally healthy practice, leaders actually proactively and regularly invest time, energy, and money to equip themselves to have a marriage that's a sign and a wonder, knowing this is central to leadership. And I'll apply it to singles. And my chart for singles here, in standard practice, single leaders do not believe their singleness serves much to bring you know, to great value to the leadership in the church. In emotionally healthy practice, leaders believe their singleness is a prophetic sign of the love of God to the church and the world because Jesus and Paul were single. You know, in standard practice, leaders who are single invest little time, energy, or money equipping themselves to integrate their vocation as a single person in Christ with their role as a leader. But emotionally healthy practice, leaders proactively and regularly invest time, energy, and money to equip them, themselves to live out their vocation as single people in Christ and then integrate that in their role as leaders. And so think of sign and wonder in emotionally healthy practice, emotionally healthy leadership, uh, we've got a theology, a, a great theology of marriage and singleness, which comes out of Scripture. Both our vocations, we, 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 our first vocation is to Jesus. Our second is whether we're married or single. Even if you're single, is circumstantially single right now, and you'd like to be married, but you're single, and you're living out your following of Jesus out of your singleness. And so think of sign and wonders. Blind, the blind see, the lame walk, there are miracles. They, they point to heaven. They, they, they offer a glimpse into Jesus, it's the love of God. It's, it's, it, and so our marriages and our singleness are meant to be a sign and a wonder. They're actually meant to be 
the loudest gospel we preach out of our lives are actually prophetic, a concrete, visible, walking, talking picture of how God loves us. And, and uh, the church will never be itself without transformed, powerful marriages and singles, uh, leaders walking at that out in the midst of a culture that's very confused. So that's the second piling. Uh, you can't get around that. Uh, it's critical that that piling is deeply set. Boy, my time is running out. Let me go to number three, which is uh, the piling of slowing down for loving union with Jesus. Slowing down for loving union with Jesus. Uh, in standard practice, here's what leaders do. We, we routinely and quickly say yes to new opportunities to expand the ministry, and then we're quickly overextended as a result, or chronically overextended as a result. Uh, in, in standard practice, leaders are distracted, multitasking, always on, and experience great difficulty spending, being still and spending time in scripture and silence with God without the need to perform. An emotionally healthy practice, uh, we leaders wait to say yes to new opportunities until they can prayerfully and carefully discern the will of God. And an and emotionally healthy practice, leaders study and read scripture primarily to commune with Jesus and be transformed more deeply by him. In emotionally healthy practice, leaders rely on consistent time in silence, solitude, scripture as foundational spiritual disciplines to remain centered on Christ. And, and so uh, it's, we know emotionally healthy leaders are, are, are self-aware enough to know that it's possible to lead without Jesus. Once you have experience, if you're gifted and talented, uh, you can get by in your gifts and your experience, and sadly, most people won't even notice it. Uh, a few will, who are very discerning, but most won't. Uh, but it's because your gifts are blessing people. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, it's, it's possible to say, Lord, Lord, at the end. He says, many will say, Lord, Lord, at the end. But, uh, and say, many will say, Lord, did we prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? And Jesus says, I, I never knew you away from me. Uh, Matthew 7, what he's saying is that you can do wonderful things and it's possible that you've never, you're not letting Jesus have access to your heart. You know, I stand at the door and I knock. Uh, and so the question is, to what extent is your heart open to Jesus day by day, moment by moment? I can do this podcast out of communion or abiding in Jesus. Uh, it's possible to grow your church or ministry beyond what your inner life can sustain. Every time we, we, we serve and we lead, life is going out from us. You know, hopefully the life of Jesus, like them touching the hem of Jesus' garment. Uh, there's life there and, you know, going out. And so we lead out of the inner life of who we are. And so um, the reason so many young leaders, especially, who are wildly successful end poorly is because their gifts and abilities are way ahead of their own inner life. That's why some of the greatest temptations of the evil one to, to us as leaders is to get us into a place of leadership beyond our ability. That's a podcast. That's actually going to be hopefully the next podcast. And uh, again, we can't give what we do not possess. We can only give what we do possess. I love the story of the sons of Sceva in uh, uh, Acts chapter 19, when they'd seen, these seven sons of Sceva had seen Paul driving out demons. And they begin to drive out demons in the name of Jesus. They see the power of the name of Jesus. And they're driving these demons out. And at one point, the demons scream, you know, say back to them, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? 
In other words, you're trying to do the works of Jesus without the loving union with Jesus. And you don't have to, you don't have to walk with Jesus to be doing these kinds of power. And it says the evil spirits, you know, overpower them and give them a beating and they run out of the house naked. It's a fascinating story in Acts 19. And I've had my share of beatings uh, and gotten out of my inner life of, you know, maturity and uh, been knocked down and realized I'm not, I, I, I'm not ready for this level of ministry. And that's why if you want, I quote, an expansive impact, you've got to be willing to take the time to do the inner work to slow down for loving union with Jesus uh, because you're involved in a, I would just say a greater intensity of, of warfare. Again, we cannot give what we do not possess. We can't. We can only give what we do possess. And the final piling, because you have four, you have face your shadow, lead out of your marriage or singleness, slow down for loving union you know, with Jesus. And, and the fourth chart there is practice Sabbath delight. And uh, it's interesting. I, you know, I chose as one of the four piles in the skyscraper, this idea of I have a rhythm in my life of uh, work and Sabbath. I, I've got this, I've got this 24 hour time frame without anxiety or have tos that I, I receive this gift that Jesus talked about. The Sabbath was made for you to stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. Now, now again, we're not saved by prayer or Bible study or Sabbath. We're saved by Jesus alone, but it's, it's a, it's a key formational practice. So here's standard practice you know, in this chart before me, how, what leaders do. They, you know, in standard practice, leaders consider practicing Sabbath as optional or even a burdensome legalism that obscures the reality of Jesus uh, or, or skeptical that it's possible to have a 24-hour Sabbath in our contemporary culture or ministry life and uh, just keep working seven days a week or six and a half days a week. Or in standard practice, leaders don't make a big distinction between a day off and a biblical practice of observing the Sabbath and uh, just end up paying bills, buying groceries, catching up on life errands. But in emotionally healthy practice, leaders actually view Sabbath as an essential spiritual discipline that points and leads to Jesus. It's a taste of eternity and ultimate Sabbath rest to which we are going to see him face to face. Uh, in fact, make a clear distinction in emotionally healthy practice between days off and observing the Sabbath. And it's a, it's a, it's a gift and it's a means to resist the powers and principalities that define us by what we do. It's, it's as my, as Jerry always so often likes to say, in emotionally practice, leaders know it's one of the days I really live the gospel, right? I don't accomplish anything in terms of production, but I experience and live the love of God. Good stuff, isn't it? And, and so, you know, God loves us for who we are, knowing we're not a slave, we're free men and women, and the kingdom of God will go on just fine without us. And, and so the charts go on. So those are the four inner life issues. And I, I just want to take, you know, I just want to make a couple of comments about how this impacts what you're building, your inner life. Because listen, I'm so happy you're a leader. I mean, we need leaders. If anyone desires to be a, an overseer, 1 Timothy 3, he desires a beautiful thing, it says in Greek, a, a good thing, a lovely thing. And so we want you to lead. So, so here's a, a couple of examples of Let's take, let's just take the first two, you know, the outer life. I've got four, four sections, okay? And I, the first one is planning and decision-making. I just want to mention the first two and give you a couple of examples of how the inner life and how it impacts it, lead your, why your leadership matters. Because, for example, in standard practice, leaders approach planning and decision-making this way. Define successful planning and decision-making primarily in terms of excellence, numerical growth, and impact in the world. Uh, but... In, in emotionally healthy practice, leaders define planning and decision-making when it's a, it's a success, when we do God's will, God's way. And we don't just look at things like numbers and excellence and impact. 
we're actually looking as well at deeply transformed lives. Uh, in standard practice, leaders are largely unaware of the temptation to go beyond or outside what God's given them to do. No sense of limits. And, but in emotional and healthy practice, leaders are deeply aware of the temptation to go beyond or outside what God wants them to do due to the influence of their own shadow or the pressure of other people. And that's why in emotionally practice, leaders consider internal preparation, the guarding of my inner life from distraction to be critical uh, as it's part of the process. And so I allow sufficient time and space for a relaxed, prayerful, prudent process when I'm doing planning and decision-making. And so you can see the inner life has a huge impact on the outer life. And so here's a couple of things from the chart of culture and team building, which is the second outer life big area that I take and take the inner life and apply it to that. So in standard practice, in our church's leaders, first focus on developing staff and volunteers so they can grow in their roles and effectiveness. But emotionally healthy practice, leaders first focus on developing staff and volunteers in their transformation in Christ. Then their roles and effectiveness. It's not divided, it's together. Uh, in standard practice, leaders remain largely unaware of how anxiety, their own anxieties or triggers or family of origin issues affect or impact their team and culture. But in emotionally healthy practice, leaders are increasingly aware of how their anxieties and triggers and family of origin issues impact their ministry culture. And it, it is a final one. It's a great one. Is this. In, in standard practice, leaders ignore the, the elephants in the room often, unless they're really gigantic. Things like tensions and body language and sarcasm or unkind remarks. And so communication is often unclear and indirect. But in emotionally healthy practice, leaders addressed promptly and respectfully the elephants in the room and communicate in ways that are direct and authentic, timely, clear, you know, timely manner. And so, and so the, who you are in the inside the greatest determinant on, on impact your leadership because it's who you are flowing into everything you do. And so the implications of your journey are large for everyone around you, especially in, in the issue of their transformation and discipleship. And so uh, let me invite you. It's a great quote that uh, was said by Robert Mulholland, a, a theologian uh, who taught at Asbury for many years. And he said this, talking to leaders, are you in the world for God? As you're in the world, you're serving God. Are you in the world for God or in God for the world? And the distinction of the two is great. Are you in the world for God? You're in the world, you're serving God. Or are you in God for the world? The, the accent is, I'm in God for the world. And again, who you are is more important than what you do. So let me invite you to get the ebook, they called Leadership Matters, uh, Go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash leadership matters. I would encourage you to print out the charts, study them. I did. I, I had them pasted up in my wall and I, and I used it to fill out the writing of the Emotionally Healthy Leader book. It takes years to become the culture that you want to develop in those you lead. You lead. Uh, and that's okay. That That's the way God framed it. Again, think of Jesus and the 12 and the year spent with them to to get them to where he would leave the church in their hands and ascend to heaven and send the Holy Spirit. We change slowly and we learn slowly. Uh, so be patient with yourself and be patient with those you lead. So may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you today uh, to give you the grace to follow him in what he's leading you to do and who 
he's calling you to become. And may you just submit to his scapel and his leadership, whether he takes you into storms, tops of mountains, or deep valleys. And you may hold on to him because he's holding on to you. So God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Look forward to talking to you next week.